Hey, what's up, Washington Football Addicts? It is your boy Phil, a.k.a. The Professor, a.k.a. The Human Computer, a.k.a. Mark Zuckerberg's least favorite Washington football team fan. Um, I'm coming to you today to talk about the 1999 Washington Redskins, or as I like to call them, the best team since we last won the Super Bowl. Now, a lot of people look upon favorably to the 2012 team with Robert Griffin III and the seven-game win streak we had to finish the season to finish 10-6. and uh, Some people may even look favorably upon the 10-6 2005 team that was the last team to win a playoff game. However, I can make a case that the 99 team, which also went 10-6, and is the best of the three teams. I'm going to break that down for you briefly, and then I'm going to go into some of the details, because because that team was 22 years ago, a lot of people have it in a faded memory, whereas the 2005 and 2012 teams are more recent history. Now, the 2005 team by far had the best defense of the three 10-win teams that this franchise has had since the 1991 Super Bowl winning team, um, by far. And we're talking about almost 100 points uh, over the season better as far as defense. However, the offense was very hit or miss, and they didn't win their division. They finished second. They were a wild card team. They, too, had to have a five-win uh, streak, five-game win streak, just to get to the playoffs. They are also, um, by the time they got to the playoffs, the offense was very anemic, and it was the defense that totally carried them uh, into the divisional round when they lost to the Seattle Seahawks. So I would say they are the third best team that this franchise has had in the past now 30 years. The 2012 team you can make a fairly good argument for. They scored over 400 points that season on offense. It is by far the biggest star, even if it was a fleeting shooting star, of a player that this franchise has had uh, in a long, long, long time in Robert Griffin III. People looked at him as a franchise guy for a franchise that has really relied on super teams over superstars so because of that a lot of people think that the 2012 team is the best team we've had since then however i'll make a point that even though they did win the division unlike the 2005 team uh, they did lose in the wild card to the seahawks who seem to always get in our way and they also had a worse defense than the 99 team as far as points scored the 1999 Washington Redskins were the second highest scoring team in the league behind only one team, and that was the greatest show on turf Rams that won the Super Bowl that year. Also, they lost in the wild card. The Washington Redskins in 99, ooh, they came very close to an NFC championship game, and we're going to get into that a little later on. So, what made up this 1999 team that was 
as good as it gets as far as this franchise has seen in the past 30 years. Well, let's first talk about how this team came to be. And it only takes a couple seconds. After the installation of the salary cap, which came at the same time that Joe Gibbs retired and Richie Pettibone had had his one season that did not go so well, went 4-12, and um, Washington had to rebuild. They had a lot of players with large contracts and also a lot of aging bodies from the first Gibbs run. So because of that, a youth movement began. And Washington started trying to rebuild uh, from the end of that, that glorious era that we all know and love. That came under North Turner, former offensive coordinator for the Cowboys and definitely a great offensive mind. Um, he built the team well. First season, rebuild, three wins. Second season, six wins. Third season, nine and seven. Just missed the playoffs. Actually totally collapsed after a seven and two start. Um, and then you had an eight, seven and one season where they barely missed the playoffs. They fell back in 1998 to six and 10, mainly due to an injury to, I can't believe we're going to say this, but Pro Bowl quarterback Gus Farratt got injured, and they went the rest of the way with the young and unproven Trent Green. Now, Trent Green signed in the 1999 offseason with the Rams, and he was going to be their starting quarterback, but a freak leg injury at the hands of Rodney Harrison of the Chargers in the preseason led to the rise of Hall of Famer Kurt Warner out of nowhere. So... That's a little side note to the Trent Green story. So what Washington did is they went and got Brad Johnson. Brad Johnson had taken the Vikings to the playoffs in previous seasons and most recently been a backup to Randall Cunningham for the Vikings. Brad Johnson is seen as a game manager type quarterback. However, he actually was a lot more dynamic than he is given credit for. Um, Now... When Dan Snyder bought the team in 1999, he tried to reverse that trade. He tried to get the trade canceled, but the league wouldn't let him because he wanted Jeff George. He wanted a sexy gunslinger instead of a more efficient quarterback who maybe not have been as exciting. However, Brad Johnson did prove to be quite the effective quarterback for Washington. In fact, in 1999, Brad Johnson threw for over 4,000 yards and 24 touchdowns. Now remember, this is 1999. The late 90s were about as great for running backs as it possibly could get. You had more 1,000-yard rushers in the late 90s and 2000 than you had at any time previously. So in a league in which the running game was much more of a focus, Brad Johnson is out here throwing the ball 519 times in 16 games. And he gets over 4,000 yards and 24 touchdowns. So I would say that Brad Johnson was a pretty dynamic quarterback for a guy who is seen as a game manager. He also had 2,000-yard receivers, actually two 1,100-yard receivers, in Michael Westbrook and Albert Connell. Westbrook had 65 catches for 1,191 yards. Albert Connell had 62 catches for 1,132 yards. Both of them averaged 18.3 yards a catch. 
That means they were getting open. They were getting open downfield. Beyond that, you had uh, Larry Centers who came over in free agency. Larry Centers, probably one of the most underrated pass catchers in NFL history. Um, at the time he came to Washington, he had become the all-time leading receiver among running backs as a fullback. He had uh, 69 receptions out of the backfield for Washington. And we also had, you know, contributors like wide receiver Irving Fryer, who was 37 at the time. And uh, he was a, a contributor as he was really big on those third wide receiver sets. And you also had uh, Stephen Alexander at tight end as well. And a uh, little side note, this is the season that was the first appearance in a major way of the beloved Mike Sellers, who was a, an H-back at the time. Now, we get back to, to from H-backs and fullbacks I've mentioned, we got to talk about the running game. That This was a deadly running game. You had Steven Davis as your lead running back for the first time for a full season. Uh, he missed two games with an injury. Other than that, he started 14 of 14 games. He had over 1,400 yards. He averaged 100 yards a game at running back. We didn't see that again until Alfred Morris in 2012. Davis also had 17 touchdowns on the ground um, and at one point was on pace to break the then single season record for touchdowns that was held by Emmett Smith of 25, but uh, kind of fell off towards the end of the season, especially because he missed those two games. So he finished with 17. Um, also caught 23 balls out of the backfield. He wasn't much of a pass catcher, but he did his thing. And then you had Brian Mitchell. And skip picks and in reserve roles. Uh, Brian Mitchell again uh, had 525 combined yards from scrimmage, plus all the work he did on kick returns. Um, you know he had 893 yards on kick returns, 332 on punt returns. So Brian Mitchell again, you know, you cannot say enough about him. He should be in the Hall of Fame. Now, as far as the rest of the offense goes. We actually had Brad Johnson and Stephen Davis represent Washington in the Pro Bowl on offense. Um, and then you also had uh, punter Matt Turk, who also uh, represented the team. And you had guard Trey Johnson. Now, the offensive line was also pretty damaging. They could do some work. Uh, you had... Uh, John Jansen at right tackle in his rookie season. You had Trey Johnson at right guard. Trey Johnson had been a second-round pick in 1994 and was routinely one of the top offensive linemen in the game. Uh, you had Corey Raymer at center. He was a, a steady hand at center. Um, over at left tackle, protecting the blind side, was Andy Heck. Andy Heck kind of was a, a, a placeholder, per se, for uh, Chris Samuels, who was drafted after the 99 season. But um, Andy Heck, was, uh, he, was, he was a tackle for the, for the Bears, and uh, it's often underrated. People forget that he was, you know, pretty, pretty steady hand back there. And one, you know, the sexiest player on the roster by far. He wasn't a star left tackle, but he did the job and did the job well. Um at the same time, uh, and I'm 
trying to pull up the roster because uh, left guard was a little bit of a different uh, animal. Uh, left guard, you had Keith Sims started several games. Uh, he started uh, 12 games, and he came over from Miami. And then you also had uh, guys like Jeff Dellenbach and a couple others who filled in the holes as well at left guard. Um, and honestly, my memory did fail me on that one <laughs> because left guard for Washington 99 was not a position where you had the greatest and biggest of names. Um, now, the defense was definitely bend but don't break. Uh, you had an interior line of guys who never lived up to their potential um, or who were seen as overrated during their times, their initial teams. You had Dana Stubblefield at one defensive tackle, and Dan Wilkinson at the other. Uh, they manned the middle, and they were both first-round picks. Uh, in fact, Wilkinson was the number one overall draft pick in his draft class uh, out of Ohio State. Both were seen as having or not having lived up to their potential with the 49ers for Stubblefield and the Bengals for Wilkinson. But nonetheless, um, they did... Do very. They both did better with Washington, especially Wilkinson. Stubblefield was a little bit of a disappointment, but Wilkinson actually managed to have a strong run with Washington. Um, at the uh, defensive end position, you had Marco Coleman on one end. Marco Coleman could rush the passer, but he was definitely known more as a uh, run defender and as uh, somebody who was there to set the edge and stop the run. And at the other defensive end position, at Kennard Lang. Kennard Lang was a first-round pick of Washington in the 1997 draft. And uh, he had six sacks that season, uh, with Coleman having six and a half. And uh, with Wilkinson and Stubblefield combining for 11 sacks between the two of them, you know, the, the defensive line, it wasn't what we have now in 2020, in 2021, but it was a steady line that could put some pressure on the quarterback, and you didn't have to consistently blitz. Which was a good thing, because Washington's linebackers were not known for blitzing. You had Greg Jones, Derek Smith, and Sean Barber uh, back there. Derek Smith, another run-stopping uh, defensive or defensive player at middle linebacker. Greg Jones, solid but not spectacular hand at one linebacker, outside linebacker position. And then you had Sean Barber. Sean Barber was a uh, 1998 draft pick in his second season. Took over an outside linebacker, definitely a more athletic player, as opposed to Derek Smith and Greg Jones, and uh, could do some dynamic things, especially in pass coverage, uh, which is where he really excelled. Now, corner was where this team shined, and you had two very different players, both of them Hall of Famers. You had on one side the venerable legend Daryl Green. Dale Green started all 16 games that season, had three interceptions um, at 39 years old. And then you had, on the other side, the rookie, Champ Bailey, seventh-round pick in the 1999 draft, uh, who is now in the Hall of Fame himself. He had five interceptions in a sack, and uh, including one game against the Cardinals uh, where he had three interceptions and... Uh, just that was the breakout game for champ. If you ever get a chance to look at it, there is a 20 minute highlight film of that particular game, the champ Bailey game. 
And uh, you get a good look at how good that defense could be as far as playmaking ability. You also had Sam Shade, who was a really hard-hitting uh, strong safety. And uh, for those who were fans in the 90s, your free safety was Leamont Evans, a name that came up quite often as uh, he, he, he kind of rose through the ranks. He kind of reminds me of DeShazer Everett. He was a guy who just felt like he was on the team forever and uh, just found himself eventually into a free safety role. So, anyway, the team was 10-6 and six that season. They started off the season with a game against the Cowboys where it looked great and then we looked horrible. Um, we actually led the Cowboys in the third quarter 35-14, to 14, and they came back and beat us. They tied the game at 35 in overtime. Or sorry, at the end of the game, at the end of the regulation, and then they beat us in overtime. Oh god, this game gives me nightmares just thinking about it because I remember it so well. Um, the Cowboys won with a 76-yard pass from Troy Aikman to Rocket Ismail in overtime. So we lost 41-35. But if you watched this game as a fan, you knew that this team could do some special things. Um, I mean, they went out there. And they put out uh, over 500 yards of offense in their, uh, in their in their first game. And that was something we hadn't seen before. Even under the offensive mind of North Turner, we just hadn't had the talent as a franchise to have 500-yard offensive games. The very next week, we went and whipped up on the Giants 50-21. to when was the last time you remember Washington put out a 50-burger on somebody? Um, and it, it was one of those games that was over from the start. Um, you know, you start off the game, Steven Davis had three rushing touchdowns in the first quarter. And they were up 21-0 after 15 minutes. Um, you know, they led as much as 50-14 to 14 in that game. Um, and it, it was it was just... Go watch that game on YouTube. I strongly suggest it. I mean, uh, Brad Johnson went 20 of 28 for 231 yards, three touchdowns. Stephen Davis had 126 yards rushing and three touchdowns. Uh, it's a fantastic watch. You know, we don't, as Washington fans, we don't get to watch our team just whoop up on somebody and never take their foot off the gas. And uh, they did that. And they did that a couple times that season. Um, you know, they stayed in New York. They beat the Jets in week three, 27-20. Uh, had Carolina at home in a wild game. Wild game. They were actually down 21 to nothing themselves after the first quarter. After Tim Bihakabatuka had three rushing touchdowns. He has a 60-yard touchdown, a 1-yard touchdown, and a 45-yard touchdown all on the ground in the first quarter. However, Washington showed its resolve. By halftime, Washington was up 28-24 as they had outscored the Panthers 28-3 in the second quarter. And then it was just back and forth until the very end when six seconds left, Brett Conway kicks a 31-yard field goal to win the game 38-36. Uh, that's another game that is sorely underrepresented in terms of legendary Washington Redskins games. 
Uh, they continued on the, on the winning streak. They beat the Cardinals the following week on uh, Sunday Night Football. I vividly remember watching that game, too. Um, and then uh, lost to the Cowboys again in Dallas. This is the middle of that 10-game losing streak or so that we had against uh, Dallas. One of the worst losing streaks we've ever had against any team. And then after that, they went to Chicago. Or actually, Chicago came to D.C. And... <laughs> Washington whooped on the Bears. Um, Bears weren't a particularly good team that year, but uh, they beat the Bears 48-22. Again, with a mix of defense, offense, everything clicking. Um, at one point, they were up, Washington was up 45-0 uh, with six minutes to go in the third quarter, and they kind of took the pressure off because you, know, you don't want to run up the score too bad. Uh, so they ended up winning that game 48-22, um, and that took them to a record of 5-2. and two, And they lost the game to the Buffalo Bills, and they fin- they were at the halfway mark at 5-3. Uh, they kind of came out and stumbled into the second half of the season, lost the Eagles, uh, and uh, by a touchdown, they were 5-4, and four, kind of in that middling position. Won their next two games, beat the Giants and the Eagles back to back to get to seven and four. Um, then he went to the Lions and just had four turnovers, and Gus Farratt got his revenge as Farratt was now quarterback for the Lions and fell to seven and five. Uh, they beat the Cardinals again, twenty-eight to three, in that infamous Champ Bailey game I was telling you about, and uh, then they lost to Peyton Manning and the Colts by three. At eight and six, going into a Sunday night game against the 49ers, uh, and it was it was a, an interesting game. Uh, that that game uh, was one of the ones that Stephen Davis missed due to injury, so Skip Hicks was starting. Only managed 51 yards on the ground, but Brad Johnson was phenomenal. Washington put up over 450 yards of passing offense in that game, and uh, over 500 yards of offense total because of that. And won the game 26-20 on a pass to Larry Centers in overtime. It was a 33-yard pass where Centers just uh, broke open. It was broke-busted coverage. Brad Johnson found him wide open. And uh, Centers just dashed in for a touchdown. Um, and they won, they, they clinched the division at 9-6. and six. And they went out the following week, closed out the season at 10-6 by beating the Dolphins. So I've gone through all the numbers and so forth. Um, there's plenty of games from that season I definitely suggest you check out because you'll see a mixture of offense and defense at work. Uh, they, the Lions came to town for the wild card game, and Washington got its revenge. Um, they beat the Lions 27-13 in one of the loudest R, uh, FedEx field, almost said RFK, one of the loudest FedEx field experiences you'll ever see captured on TV. It was raucous. Um, Lions came in as an underdog, but they had beat Washington by 16 in Detroit earlier that season. Uh, but Gus Farratt wasn't going to get revenge twice. Uh, we locked down their offense to 250 yards of, uh, of total offense. Only allowed them to score uh, 13 points. And, um, you know, we were actually, Washington was up 27 nothing at halftime. And they just, it was one of those uh, things where they just let off the gas again because they could. 
So that game is very memorable. 80,000 screaming, screaming Redskins fans. And then the following week, they went against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and one of the best defenses in the history of football uh, was Tampa Bay under um, Tony Dungy. And Washington actually got up to a 13-0 lead in that game. I'm going to start stoking some memories for you all. Uh, the offense went nowhere. Um, Brad Johnson had 149 yards passing. Steven Davis could only get 37 yards rushing on 17 carries. He was still hampered by a lower body injury uh, throughout the playoffs. And, of course, Tampa Bay's defense was tough. However, uh, with Washington up 3-0 after halftime, Brian Mitchell takes the uh, second-half kickoff back 100 yards for a touchdown. Brett Conway gets another field goal. We're up 13-0. And then Mike Allstott punches in that touchdown run, which I still say he did not get in. But the referee said otherwise, 13-7. And it was 7.29 left in the game. Sean King hits John Davis for a one-yard touchdown. However, Washington drives down the field in a two-minute drill. And with just seconds left in the game, Matt Turk is the holder. Dan Turk is the snapper. That's his brother. And Brett Conway is set to kick a 46, 47-yard field goal, I believe, for the win. Turk botches the snap. And the other Turk botches the hold. And they never get the field goal off. And Washington loses by one point to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who would go on to to the NFC Championship game. And that's the closest we've been to an NFC Championship game since 1991, was the uh, the Turk-to-Turk botch. I will say this. Some people say, well, will we have had a chance against those greatest show on turf Rams? I say so because the very next year, Washington played those Rams in the regular season in Tampa Bay and beat them by two touchdowns. So that's definitely something to consider that we could be evenly matched with a team as good as the Rams. Now I know I've gotten a little wordy here and I've really kind of glossed over the history a little bit because there's a lot to dive into with the 99 team. And uh, in a future episode, I will go into what happened with 2000. And why we couldn't build on this. But I have to say that if you have the opportunity to go back and watch that 99 team, you'll see a very dynamic offense. You'll see a defense that, yeah, they were not the best defense in the world by any stretch of the imagination. They did give up a significant number of points. Uh, However, they were very opportunistic, very good at forcing turnovers, very good at coming up with key stops. Uh, in key moments. So I would definitely say that the 99 team that uh, has scored the most points of any Washington Redskins team since 1991, that has gotten as close to an NFC Championship game of any team in that stretch of time, and that had the most dynamic and diverse offense. Yeah, I said it. 
most dynamic and diverse offense of any team during that stretch of time. The 99 team is as close as we've come to a potential contender um, in Washington. Now we hope for something just as good moving forward. But uh, I could talk about this 99 team all day and all night um, in detail. It's one of my favorite teams to watch. Um, it's my junior year of high school. You know, I was dating a cheerleader. So there was a lot of good memories outside of football to go with that. But even when I go back and watch that team now, I'm amazed. And I almost forget how good they were until I started really going back and watching these games on YouTube again. I highly suggest you do it. Uh, Give it a look. Give it a see. Go learn some history. Go watch how football was played before it was completely tailored to the offense. (laughs) And you'll see that this team was excellent. And this team had to kind of balance. And they could go short. They could go long. They could run the ball down your throat with power. They had guys in reserve roles that could do the speed. Um, This team would do well. In, in, in the modern age, in, in 2020, 2021, uh, just because of how much they could do on offense. Very, very dynamic. And, you know, hopefully we see some of that dynamic offense in 2021 with uh, North Sun as now our offensive coordinator. So, anyway, I hope you enjoyed this. It's been a half hour of going down memory lane. And uh, I hope uh, to join. hope you join me, actually on future pods in the Washington Wayback. Peace and hail.